You are now listening to The Seedcast. This week on the Seedcast, Andrew Nault and Julia Luft welcome tattoo artist and painter Hannah Medeiros to the show. Currently working out of Torchbearer in Providence, Rhode Island, Hannah does primarily black and gray work with a darker mood and undertone, aptly living up to her moniker, Sad Girl Tattoos. In this episode, we learn how Hannah's early fascination led to her career and the influences that led to her style. Hannah talks about the emotional strain that comes with the permanence of the medium, trading autopilot productivity for a more mindful, self-aware approach, and leaning into your mood to make it work for you. So without further ado, episode 29 featuring tattoo artist and painter Hannah Medeiros. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Seedcast, everyone. This is, of course, Andrew Nault, hanging out with Julia Luft. Hello. And today we are very excited to have Hannah Medeiros on the show, who is a painter and tattoo artist, also known as Sad Girl Tattoos. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah. So we always like to start out with when you started out. Um, when did you get going? How did it take you to tattooing? What's the start? Um. All right. So I would say probably... The genesis is like um, middle school, and it started with drawing on my friends with magic markers and pens <laughs> in class, in art class. Um, yeah, I remember seeing people when I was younger, when I was a child, I would see tattooed people and just think, I need that in my life. I want to be doing it. I want to be covered in it. So I would basically get whichever willing participants in my friend group to, you know, who wants a sick tree frog today and just... <laughs> And just doodle on them. Um, It got to the point where I was, you know, skipping recess to stay um, in the art room. And then, you know, throughout high school, I did, uh, let's see, some continuing ed classes at RISD. I went to um, a Catholic high school, so the art department was very, very lacking. It was basically dried acrylic paints and Crayola, you know, Mm. that was it. So I had to outsource basically to do the kind of art that I needed to stay sane in high school. Mm-hmm. And then that led me to mass art for a nice. painting degree. Nice. Sick. So the tattooing thing was always there. That was like from the yeah. beginning. Oh, definitely um, an interest. I couldn't really think of anything else that I could do art wise myself personally. That would be kind of career based hobbies are one thing, but the only thing I could really think of, for myself personally, that I was interested enough to pursue it actively was tattooing. Yeah. Wow. And did wow. you go to Mass Art with the intention of apprenticing afterwards, or was it kind of like a, a detour, or it was always contributing towards uh, working towards tattooing? Um, it was always going toward tattooing. I didn't necessarily want to go to college for my family. It was really important. Mm -hmm. It personally wasn't a huge, like, I need to do this to feel, you know, fulfilled as a human, or this is like, I I did painting because I I felt like interested in painting. They obviously don't have a tattooing major in colleges. So that was the one thing like, all right, if I have to go to school, I want to do painting. It's the one thing that 
I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened to lead me that way, kept me, you know, motivated art wise. And I think it pushed me, you know, in my portfolio, obviously mm-hmm. very different mediums, but it definitely kept me interested in art and actively yeah. doing things going toward tattooing. Nice. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like um, studying painting had an influence over how you learned to tattoo afterwards? You know, maybe in the beginning with color theory and value contrast, I think in that way, it definitely contributed and was helpful. Now I focus mostly on texture and contrast versus color uh, Mm -hmm. because I do black tattooing now. In the beginning, I did a lot of color work that was terrible (laughs) it's like i i I look at some of my old shit and obviously it's a learning process but like i look at some of the stuff in my first few years and i'm like why didn't somebody take me out back and just break my hands by a dumpster (laughs) and just just, you know it's 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 definitely it definitely helped though i think um mostly with painting um when i look at paintings i look at themes and subject matter mm. uh one one of the people i'm going to plug at the end his themes and subject matter are very like kind of religious baroque inspired lush mm-hmm. so that for me subject matter is like a huge thing especially with painting classical works in particular mm. how nervous were you for your first like tattoo on a human being <laughs> <laughs> very so uh my friend kaylee was the recipient of my first tattoo and i think i sweated more than she did <laughs> So Elise, my mentor, um, she had me practicing on fruit at first. I think it was like a grapefruit and a banana. And then Kaylee, <laughs> like, like the next day or so. Uh, she is very heavily tattooed, very easygoing. So she was a perfect uh, first person to practice on. Cool. It was maybe the outline of a flower that was probably the size of like a silver dollar. It took me 45 minutes. <laughs> lots, lots, lots of sweating, lots of nervous, like, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, it was, it was absolutely nerve wracking. It still is. Uh, yeah. Seven years later, it's still pretty nerve wracking. I think this fall makes seven years. Damn. How long does it take you to adapt to the medium of that? Like how direct of a translation is it of like working with a pen to paper versus a needle to skin? Oh, it's, I don't even know if I have adapted to it yet. I don't think you really... Mm-hmm can i mean there Mm. there are moments i feel like the moments when you feel super comfortable and confident is when you are going to fuck up like Mm. not like super fuck up obviously but i always want to be very aware and cautious uh it's it's not like paper at all Uh, that's why i never practiced on second skin Mm. or any kind of fake skin products not saying it's not a good idea but for me i practiced on myself because there is no real substitute for human skin and every Mm. skin texture is different you know your ribs is very different than your inner forearm to around the skin on your elbow to thigh skin and it depends on the person as well. And mm-hmm. if they're moving or not, you know, there's, if they're dehydrated, if they've been drinking, there is a lot that goes into it. Wow. Yeah. I can tell if somebody's hydrated and moisturizes and exfoliates versus somebody Whoa. who just sits outside drinking <laughs> hard seltzers in the sun all day. It's very, it's very obvious. Wow. Yep. At this point in your career, it seems like you have a very established aesthetic that people approach you for. Um, kind of the whole sad girl theme and 
the black work. Uh, how long did it take you to get to that point where you could kind of choose what you wanted to tattoo and for people to approach you for that? Uh, I would say it took me a few years for sure. In the beginning, when I first started apprenticing, and then a few years after I completed my apprenticeship, um, I was basically taking whatever I can get. I mm -hmm. think the reason why I have a, a strong client base is I've stayed in, I was in Boston for, I believe it was five years and we were located mm -hmm. in the thick of a ton of colleges. Mm -hmm. So if you stay put, you know, you take as many people as you can get. There's a fresh batch of 18 year olds every year. They all have friends. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it was just working as much as I could taking on as much work as I could. And then slowly, I was able to be a little bit more selective on, you know, subject matter, the type of tattooing I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then it was a gradual transition that took a few years for sure. Mm -hmm. Did you have social media the whole time? I did. I got um, Instagram actually right as I started my apprenticeship. I had no use for it really before that. I kind of have yeah. a, a love-hate relationship with social media in general. I, I try really hard to limit how often I'm on there and what I'm using mm -hmm. it for. It's, it's mostly work-based. I don't have a personal account. So I basically yeah. created that account just for the sake of, you know, building up my clientele. It's it's the new portfolio. You know, you don't have like a, yeah. a website really anymore with a portfolio on it. It's easier to update, you know, instantly yeah. and then mm -hmm. stay connected with people. It's, it's really accessible for people to book art, uh, find artists on there as well. So it's very mm -hmm. instrumental for that. Mm -hmm. Do you think that it's possible for people to exist in the tattoo sphere without social media or do you think that it's become too important that's a good question i think it depends on when you started and how long you've been in the industry one of sure. my mm -hmm. co-workers in providence ron henry wells has been tattooing for a very long time he does not use social media anymore he has an account on instagram but is very very inactive on it and his clients, they email him when they want a book. He has a very strong following. That's sick. Yeah, so he doesn't need it, but it's also, it was instrumental for him in the beginning. And then he was able to build up a really loyal clientele, strong interest in his work because it's very, very unique. Mm -hmm. Whenever I see his tattoos anywhere, I know I know that they're his on anyone. Mm -hmm. I can call them out mm -hmm. from a mile away. So, That's so cool. yeah, it depends. Yeah. I think right now, just because it's so important, like social media is very consuming for people and they rely on it so mm -hmm. heavily right. that right now, if you were starting out, it would be very hard. You know, sure. sandwich boards outside of a shop aren't really a thing anymore. <laughs> right. You know, totally. you, know, you know what I mean? Like, totally. please come get tattooed walking around. You know, it's it's tough. Right. It's tough. It would be really hard without it. That's why I'm I'm thankful for it. But at the same time, I like to kind of keep a, a healthy boundary with it as well. Sure. Mm -hmm. So you started off in Boston and then you went to New York. What was the, the impetus to go to New York and work there for a while? I think I needed a change of scenery. So I started going to Mass Art when I was 18. And then mm -hmm. I hit 29. And I had been in Boston, in and around Boston that entire time. And it was kind of felt like a little bit of a quarter life crisis. Sure. Yeah. Just I need some kind of change of scenery. I've been here for so long. The opportunity presented itself at Black Iris, a shop that 
I worked at for a year. I love everyone that worked there. I had done a few guest spots previously, so I was familiar with the shop environment, the people who worked there, the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So when I saw that they had an opening, I basically told uh, Anka and John, the uh, the owners, that I'll burn my life down in about a month and a half <laughs> if you'll hold on to the spot for me. Because I, yeah. I saw I saw the the Instagram post, you know, when I was sitting in my car outside of work, and I was like, yeah, I could I could ruin my life for that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then I I moved there, you know, no regrets, but I'm I'm definitely not a New York City person. It's it was fun while it lasted. I'm glad it was a year, so it didn't mm. sour me too much or you know become mm-hmm. too overwhelming. If that makes sure. sense, you know, it was it was fun. <laughs> Yeah, that place is bananas. Yeah, I tried it, it moving is, there it's, and couldn't do it. Yeah, you can almost hear the internal screaming of everyone. Just it's the energy there, the fact that you can't ever get away from anyone. You're surrounded mm-hmm. by people 24-7. I think, you know, me and a lot of my friends worked... 24 7 like you're you're honestly yeah. always thinking about how am i going to make money how am i going to afford to stay here and just yep. it feels like a constant keeping your head above water thing um it is really fun though because everything is at your fingertips like the sure. best restaurants i walked to work every day i would light a cigarette up i would walk to work and i would still have a cigarette going by the time i got right. there nice. you know and my favorite dive bar was just as close there was a taco bell block away <laughs> <laughs> you know, there there were great small local restaurants too, but the Crunchwrap Supreme, you know, <laughs> so, no replacement. No, there really isn't. So close. I have to live Moss every once in a while. So yes, yeah. Yo, that is that is the tour stop for us. Yeah, we. Uh, oh, it's, it's like so good. It was right next to the grocery store too. It was connected to a KFC, so I would go to go grocery shopping. And I would see the fucking Taco Bell and be like, I'd be an ass not to just go there instead so much easier than going grocery shopping so i'm gonna do that holy shit that's hilarious yeah well you know you gotta you gotta yeah. indulge every once in a while oh, totally yeah. totally i'm curious how the the tattoo scene and how uh the i don't know the sort of vibe centering that is different from city to city that's a good question. Uh, I've only worked in now three shops i've done guest spots in other cities if I had been around more and worked in more shops, like within those cities, maybe I would have a better idea. The kind of shops I've worked at are very similar, though. Like Black Iris to Brilliance in Boston were very similar, very um, inclusive environments, uh, mm-hmm. comfortable, appointment only kind of settings. It wasn't like a street shop where you could just walk in and out all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the luxury of, you know, being selective with your appointments and what you wanted to work on. Clients very, very easygoing. I, I feel like I've been so spoiled with how good my clients are that every once in a while, if I have somebody who's difficult, it's like, it's really hard. <laughs> you know, I'm like, because I'm just not used to it. All my clients are so awesome. So every once in a while, I'll, I'll get somebody who's like a little difficult and it makes it uh, a little challenging. Um, but... Yeah, the I think the big difference for me was in Boston, it's very college-heavy, uh, sure. college yeah. students mm-hmm. everywhere, especially since we worked right next to BU. Mm-hmm. So it was just, uh, you know, Pinterest stuff all the time, you know, very, very <laughs> similar ideas, not like there's anything yeah. wrong with that, but it was, right. 
you know, that was definitely different than um, the stuff in in uh, New York City, where it was not so much college kids. Mm-hmm. Well, as, as far as the shops that you've been at, you said that they were like inclusive and accessible. And um, I mean, I guess it's a matter of, um, I don't know, like attracting the energy that you put out but as far as like the different vibes that different shops have and tattooing being like having a very heavy bro culture (laughs) how have you managed to avoid that or do you come into contact with it a ton uh yeah i think the bro culture unfortunately just permeates everything around us sometimes (laughs) it's it's i think it's the great equalizer sometimes um you yeah. know, right now I work at a shop that's uh, mostly men, and I I absolutely love working with them. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's Torchbearer in Providence. It's you know the the first shop that I worked at in Boston. Elise is the owner, and she was my mentor, or is my mentor. She's still my mentor, you know, mm-hmm. kind of. So it was very female uh, and gender neutral oriented at that shop in particular. Mm-hmm. So I think it it made a direct result of a client base that felt more comfortable there. We have a lot of women, gender neutral clients um, in the Boston shop. Mm-hmm. I think because it felt a little less broy and a little and a little different, you know, it, it yeah. was more of a welcoming environment for people that don't feel comfortable in a street shop necessarily. Right. Even sometimes I'll go into a tattoo shop that I don't work at and it, I kind of feel like an outsider almost. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like, sure. a, wait, do I belong here kind of thing? Yeah. So I can see why somebody who's not heavily tattooed or a college student, you know, young woman, whatever, would go into a shop like that and feel a little bit uncomfortable or out of place because sure. it, hap- it happens even to me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah, I work with a, uh, men in Providence and I absolutely love them. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I always make a make the joke that like the men I work with my dad and my dog are the only men that don't disappoint me <laughs> <laughs> that's a good inner circle you got there yeah no it's it's a really it's a really 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 good crew every time I'm there it's just it's a super fun time and I love it awesome. so I love mm-hmm. working with them mm-hmm. that's great so where did the interest in kind of the themes that you use uh, like the religious themes and things like that that you mentioned earlier where did the interest in that come into play are you a religious person um, not necessarily. So I was raised Roman Catholic uh, as a child, did uh, mass every Sunday, Sunday school. Then I went to Catholic high school. I was even an altar server, did the confirmation, all of it. So uh, my my vavo, my, my father's mother was very uh, hyper religious. They're all mm-hmm. Roman Catholic. So I was raised growing up surrounded by the imagery that she had mm-hmm. in her home mostly. And we would, you know, watch mass together all the time when I was there. So being surrounded by that as a child, as an adult, it resonates with me as I think it's a source of comfort kind of thing. Totally. It's a little hard to place exactly why I just, I'm very familiar with the imagery. I love looking at it, mm-hmm. especially, you know, like Virgin Mary imagery, Mary Magdalene, because they're they're sad, you know, like it's not yeah. I think what I like about it is it's very lush, gaudy, and also very mournful and mm-hmm. sad imagery at the same time. So those mm-hmm. are all things that I really, really enjoy visually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's definitely like a, a tragic beauty to it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially the Mary Magdalene stuff. Um, yeah. She's one of my favorite images consistently because she's always, you know, laying there with a skull and she's usually got like a little cross as well and she just looks bummed the fuck out you know so with like <laughs> her hair is always like luscious and beautiful too which is um similar to the kind of imagery that i like conveying mm-hmm. in my art it's also just like there's so much history in religious art and some of the most classic images ever made oh yeah you know exactly I mean? it just transcends over time and it tattoos really well Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) definitely no i uh it's i don't have a religious work but i do have like an old school like baroque muse and it's it's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite ones just because i don't know the the idea of having just like powerful badass ladies but still this very like beautiful effeminate just i don't know there's a really lovely contrast of that especially it being a a tattoo of like this really lovely beautiful thing but i got it dragged into my skin yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no i i definitely get it it's kind of i think you know a lot of people look at religion and and think of it as kind of uh meditative you know Mm -hmm. and and the same goes as a tattoo as well during the pro i don't think it's meditative at all when i'm getting one done i think it's torture but the process of getting one done for some people is really um cathartic and meditative so i think it kind of has a similarity in that way yeah i definitely i'm one of those people but i do sweat like crazy (laughs) (laughs) great that's nice good thing they uh put down the drape sheet then to just stop up all that uh that moisture well i have clients fall asleep on me all the time i had um one of my clients recently i was tattooing a scorpion on her shoulder blade she fell asleep right in the very beginning woke up halfway through to tell me she had fallen asleep even though i was aware that she had and then passed right back out uh, and at the end, you know, I like, you know, like nudged her awake. I was like, you're done. You know, like the, tat- the tattoo's over. But I, I have a, a pretty light hand and I have people fall asleep all the time. It's it's insane. Because whenever I get tattooed, I'm like, how do I do this to anyone else? How do they pay me to do this? I don't <laughs> like this is so fucked up that I get paid to inflict pain like this on other people. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. it's not it's not a, a peaceful process when I'm getting one. So. Oh man, I like look, f- I dig for reasons to get tattoos because I just love that process so much. <laughs> like, uh, Elise did a piece on my back, and I there was like a beautiful sunbeam coming in through the window, and I felt like a cat just like, see, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it, oh it also depends on like the mood you're in, you know, if you've eaten, the environment that you're getting Definitely. tattooed in. Um, it makes a humongous difference, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. I, I look for reasons to not get tattooed at this point. <laughs> well, I'm getting a ton of laser removal done right mm-hmm. now, and it's, oh my God, it's it's excruciating. It's so much worse than a tattoo. Is it really? Oh man, I'm getting my, um, my chest that I had when I was, I think I started it when I was maybe 20 years old, and it wasn't badly done at all. It was actually a really solid tattoo. It was just lame. You know, like the actual <laughs> subject matter. It, it's like I got... The script portion of it I found in a fortune cookie at my favorite Thai food restaurant, and it resonated with me at the time. So I got sure. it tattooed across my chest, and and now I'm I'm paying the price as a soon to be 31 year old. But yeah, it's it's substantially <laughs> substantially more painful. Very humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna go over it? You know that was the original plan, but I don't <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> as, as I'm sitting there, all right, so the the 
the so the tattoo is so big that we have to do it in sections, right? Or that's that's the original approach how she the laser tech said we should do it. And every time I'm sitting there, it's maybe five to eight minutes of active laser removal. And throughout the entire time, I'm just thinking, how the fuck am I going to get a tattoo after I do? I think I have eight, eight more sessions on it. Oh, and that's, that's to just to lighten it up enough because it's full color, you know, like solid black in areas. So, uh, yeah, eight more sessions. I've done four. So the thought of getting tattooed over that area is not. Holy shit. That was the plan, but let's see how, <laughs> let's see how brave I am. <laughs> yeah. oh, Damn, it's crazy that they can that they have the technology to to do that now yeah well it's uv if i'm not mistaken it's uv laser so imagine just sitting out in the sun you know it's it's the same Mm. but very concentrated and i'm I'm sure i'm butchering the actual science process of it but that's why you put sunscreen when you go outside the uv breaks the ink down in your skin very gradually so when you get the laser done it's a really highly concentrated form of that so you get what's called frosting have you ever seen somebody right after they get laser and it looks white? I've seen mm-hmm. pictures, yeah. Yeah, so that's like called frosting. So that's actually like the moisture under your skin basically like bubbling. Mm-hmm. And it only lasts, yeah, and it only lasts for like a little while and then it's just red. It just feels like a really gnarly sunburn afterwards. And sometimes you'll have like those lovely blisters and the super itch too. There's not enough aloe in the world. <laughs> well it's on my chest (laughs) no i know hey it's hey it's worth it i keep going back for more right Right, um so but it's it's just funny like when i'm at the shop after a laser session um it's on my chest and it's insanely itchy so of course i have i'm like itching my chest like a fiend (laughs) like in in before and after the tattoo session i'm like i promise i'm fine Mm. it's just like uh it's it's not a good look it's worth it though it's Mm -hmm. definitely worth it do you ever struggle with the the kind of permanence of tattooing either in making it or getting them and then like how do you keep a poker face if your client <laughs> feels like they made a mistake that's a good question oh that's uh yes i struggle with the permanence of it for sure especially um when you're first starting out i i have a few friends that are apprenticing now and you know, they'll message me and be like, oh my God, I fucked this tattoo up. And I'm like, dude, get used to the rest of your life. Like, I'm sorry, but <laughs> somebody was like, I, I shaded this tattoo wrong. And I looked at it. I was like, eh, that's kind of subjective. I was like, nah, it doesn't look like you did it wrong. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, oh my God. Sometimes I see some of the stuff from like my first year and I, I, I will have a mental breakdown sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Um, there, there have been a few where I, I feel really bad about this one. So this client of mine in particular, um, legs are really reactive, right? So if you get, a t- if I get my legs tattooed, for instance, I get really twitchy and it's involuntary. It's completely out of my control. Sure. And I've had certain clients who are the same way. It's it's not uncommon. And there was uh, one client in particular who, you know, I, I basically was like very gently, um, you need to know your boundaries and, you know, your body limits because they kept wanting these really uh, painful placements, like especially around the knee. So <laughs> in my head, I was thinking like, oh, my God, this person's going to move so much. And they um, kept being very insistent on it. So we did a session 
near her knee and she moved so many times and it's not like little twitches these were like fucking threat like leg thrashes oh. and i do some some like thin line shit so you know it's not very forgiving if somebody moves and it got to the sure. point where i just i put my machine down i i slid back and i was like all right i need you to sit up and i'm gonna point some stuff out to you right now and i have never had to do that before because I think a lot of the job is if you make a mistake, camouflage it, um, keep a poker face. You know, I've had clients, if I'm like, oh, fuck, like when I'm telling them a story, they'll think, oh, did you mess up? And I'm like, no, if I do, you will not know because I'm not going to say anything. Like that's that's the whole thing. Like I'm not going to announce that I've messed up. You keep it quiet and you camouflage it. Um, But, you know, this this person in particular, the mistakes were so like you could not fucking cover the like there was no way I could just be like, all right, well, be on your way. (laughs) I had to acknowledge how how many mistakes were made because they were moving so much. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't like a long session, too. This was like maybe within the first 30 minutes. So um, and I felt really bad. I wasn't like trying to embarrass them or anything, but I was like, dude, I you know, I went home and I cried. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's a very, like, it's, it's hard, like the emotional toll it can take on you sometimes when things like that happen. And obviously nobody, nobody goes into the session being like, oh, I hope I make my tattoo artist cry today. (laughs) Like, you know, that'd be pretty terrible, but um yeah, yeah, there, you know, moments like that, I, I definitely struggle with the permanence of it. Not so much on myself because I've got some real turds, and it's just <laughs> 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 mostly mostly ones I've I've done on myself when I was learning, and I you know and I just think well that's you know I look at them and I think wow look how shitty I used to be, <laughs> so right. I've improved from that, which is I think an important part of not just tattooing but the art process as well as looking at your work and thinking what would I have done to make this better now? Because Mm -hmm. if I look at stuff even from a year ago and think that's perfect, wouldn't change a thing. I'm not improving at all. I think I I look at stuff from a month ago and I think, how could I have done that better? Mm -hmm. And that's like the one thing and the importance and the permanence of it is that strong driving factor in that, you know, you always want to improve and think, how can I do this better and be the best version of myself as possible? Cause it's not paper, you know? Right. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that we've talked many times about how, um, you can tell in somebody's work if they're pushing or if they're coasting, uh, you know, oh, for sure. like, yeah, I'm good. This is just what I want to do for the next however many decades versus like, no, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Yep. Um, and it's definitely apparent that you're, I was scrolling through your work. So I I mean, I've had work done from you, but it was years ago and mm-hmm. I, I hadn't looked through your portfolio in a while. And you can definitely tell that you are most certainly, uh, you still have your foot on the gas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. I, I'm glad you said that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Absolutely. I've 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 had people tell me before, like, oh, I can tell when you're into something and when you're not. And I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, God, I fucking hope not. But I, I think they meant it in the way that you just said. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, but right. delivered in a way where I'm like, fuck, I hope that's not the case. <laughs> like, well, but in the, in that respect, so when you are given a project that you don't want to be working on, I know you probably have a little bit more um room to say no to projects but mm-hmm. uh, at a period of time where you did have to say yes to everything um how do you get through those ones that you just don't want to do or you just don't think it's going to look good because the idea sucks um before i would just basically 
you know, tell myself as long, especially if it was, let's say, a concept or like a composition they wanted where I thought like visually this wouldn't look good. First of all, I would try to steer them in a direction that, you mm-hmm. know, I felt better about like design wise, because some sure. people will, for instance, come up with a floral combination that makes literally no sense, um, <laughs> no matter how many different ways you try to do it. And you can tell them like visually, I think this will look a little bit chaotic or not as good as, you know, it potentially could if you switch some things up. But if they're very persistent, you know, just try to do the best you can. And as long as they're happy with the result, then I feel happy about it, you know, because sure. it's, right. it's not I don't go in thinking like, how am I going to make this worth my time? Um, I it's, it's more about like the person getting it and them feeling good about it as well. Mm-hmm. It's a two person thing. I want to feel confident about it and I want them to feel good with the result as well. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely now that I have a little bit more um, leeway, for instance, I think it was a month or two ago, I, I ended up giving somebody their deposit back because they had emailed me a concept that originally I was I was very, very attracted to. It was um, some kind of classical sculptural work of like a Greek or Roman deity in the design over the course of maybe like 40 emails, um, changed, yeah, um, tell me about it, changed to (laughs) a, not like there's anything wrong with that, I'd rather talk it out, but it's like, that's, that's a lot. Um, So, but, but over the course of those email exchanges, the concept and the idea changed so much that it was wildly different to the point where it was not something that I would have agreed to. And I just very gently explained that to them when it got to that point, I was like, you know, I was under the impression that we would be doing this. It has evolved into something else that I don't feel like I can not only tattoo well, but illustrate it well to begin with. Um, sure. Conceptually, it just, I I didn't have it in my head. And I think everybody should get the tattoo that they want and deserve. So just because somebody wants something from me doesn't mean I should be the one to do it, especially right. if the concept, I don't feel confident in it. You'll find another artist that will be able to deliver this for you mm-hmm. um, and give you the tattoo that you really want where you don't have to compromise you know, the integrity of it or changing it to the point where it's not something you really wanted just to get it done by a certain somebody. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every, whenever I explain it like that to people, they're like, oh, thank you. Can you recommend anybody? You know, and, and I'm more than happy to if I, if I genuinely can't think of an artist that would be a, appropriate for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how much does the conceptualization to the actual act of tattooing change what you've made? Because obviously you're you know, probably sketching on a piece of paper or something, and then mm-hmm. you have to physically put it on someone. Are you doing a lot of like creative work on the spot in terms of the concept, or do you feel like you mostly nail it and just put it on there? <laughs> uh, it depends on what the idea is. So, the only time I really need to ever do like a back and forth, like conceptually, is if it's a custom idea or request and like with a lot of the stuff I do it's it's pretty straightforward when it's Mm -hmm. things that I'm drawing and I'm putting out there and also what I found helpful is I finally caved and about a year ago I got um one of the iPads and I use um Procreate now so before I was drafting on paper and it was taking me fucking forever like five times longer than it is on Procreate so I feel like that 
has streamlined the process a lot for me, being able to get things to like flow well. I always ask people to send me photos of whatever area they want tattooed so I can do like a few different versions of where I think things would look best. And then, you know, day of, I don't really freehand any, not too much stuff, but if there are are areas that I can freehand to really make sure it complements the body well, then I'll do that. But it's usually mm-hmm. pretty easy. I'm not doing anything too overly complicated, like placement-wise or anything like that. Mm. Yeah, as someone who does not do any kind of visual art, the idea of the consumer kind of being present during the creation of the piece is seems very intimidating. Oh, you mean me. like while the tattoo is actually happening? Yeah. Yeah, like if somebody who listens to my music was sitting in the room while I was making <laughs> it, I would fucking hate that. I'm just so but. used to it that I don't even Well, most of my clients fall asleep, right? So it's okay. <laughs> 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 that makes that makes a big difference. Or it's in like an area I feel like a lot of people just don't really want to be super observant of it. I've had a few people that you know, watch the entire process, you know, they're very, very present and aware of what's happening, which doesn't bother me at all. Um, Mm -hmm. What I really don't miss pre-COVID was people bringing guests. That was Mm -hmm. the only thing that really kind of got to me. And I, I never felt comfortable enough telling somebody like you can't bring a guest or you need to stand back away from the area. Cause I'll, I'll have significant others reach over onto the massage table, try to like, you know, pull a chair up, be all like smoochy. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like I am right here. (laughs) This is not the time. Yeah. But I, I have, um, kind of like, you know, obviously a resting bitch face. And then my tone, my tone and delivery sometimes will sound a little bit more abrasive than I mean for it to. And I'm, I'm hyper aware of it. So when things like that happen, I think like, you know, oh, if I say that, I'm going to sound like a total bitch. And then I've had the fear of ye- the Yelp I- instilled in me um, oh, from from when I first started. Now I don't give a fuck. But I definitely don't mind when people like that are getting the tattoo are present and, you know, actively watching. That doesn't bother me at all. It's it's the uh, the bystanders because they'll be mm. like eating over my shoulder and shit. Oh, yeah. Like I had one client <laughs> and her sister was the uh, the guest that was there and she was she fucking cracked open a bag is something i forget but it was very garlicky and just chewing it like over my ear and like over my shoulder and it was just so pungent and i remember her sister who i was tattooing just being like can you fucking not right now and i just looked at her i was like yeah "Yeah, i'm just gonna i didn't want to be a complete bitch but like that is fucking gnarly what you're doing like it's it's super gross like especially like she wasn't like obviously getting crumbs anywhere near the area, but it was just like the pungent whatever she was eating just permeating the area. It was just It's also so like, strange. yo, if you're sitting in the chair and you want your tattoo to be good, tell your friend to get the fuck out of here. You, <laughs> you know what be, I mean? Uh, yeah, you would be honestly amazed at how uh, you know, I I'm kind of surprised that people don't kind of speak up for themselves more. I, and I I definitely step in at times. You know, if somebody has a significant other or something, and and I hear some shit like, "Well, I don't like that," or "I don't want you to do that to your," oh, it happens all the time. Right. Um, I had somebody cancel an appointment on me, uh, like the day before because her boyfriend wouldn't didn't want her to get the tattoo, and and I of course snooped on her Facebook page. They've been dating for a month. Oh, yeah, God. right. S- sign of some good shit to come. Um, <laughs> to see it. No, but to like in- emails, one thing, but to see that in person, you're just like, all right, well, this is their tattoo. It's their body. 
you know, let yeah. them make that choice for themselves because tattoos are forever and boyfriends are not. Yeah, for real. Fact. Which is yeah. which is what, one of my one of my favorite phrases. So <laughs> <laughs> to get somebody's opinion is one thing, you know, or just be like, hey, do you think it should go here, or here, you know? But ultimately, that decision is yours to make. So mm-hmm. I definitely don't mind the uh, the no guest policy now with the COVID mm. shit. Makes hell my yeah. job a hell of a lot easier. Probably makes it easier to carry it over afterwards too. Yeah. Be oh like, yeah. You know what? This is way better. Yeah. No. That's yeah. Because before I was always like kind of hesitant, and now um to be like no, you can't because you know I like to not tell people no in that way because it's not going to ruin the process. It's just a mild inconvenience. Um, mm-hmm. But now I can just be like, sorry, COVID. I, it's out of my hands. I don't know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Have you been tattooing straight through? Uh, we took three months off in Rhode Island. It was, what was it? March, April, May. And we started back up sometime in June. I don't remember the exact date, but mm-hmm. that was a good three months off. It was, it was weird. It was you know, the first time I had taken a break in a long time. Mm-hmm. It was really weird going from working in New York City to, like, you know, five days a week, staying up till, like, three, four in the morning, drawing every night, to not working at all for, like, three months. Mm-hmm. So, definitely a little abrupt, um, yeah. but needed. It helped me kind of uh, set some boundaries, I guess. You know, it helped me, like, reevaluate how I had been working, um, the toll it was taking on, you know, my personal life and it helped, it helped create boundaries for making more time for myself and family yeah. and stuff. Big time. That's like the biggest thing that has changed for me during the mm-hmm. whole, you know, touring and working in music venues. The hours are just stupid and yeah. I feel physically and mentally so much healthier Yep. after I stopped, but I would have never known yeah, what it was it's like just, to slow down. Yeah, you're and, so used to it at that right. point. Yeah, right. that was how I I didn't realize how exhausted I was mentally, creatively, and physically. And then I just took those three months and was like, holy shit, wait, I don't need to work five days a week, three sessions a day. So, oh, oh that's it was worse before. Um, and I had the sleep schedule of a psycho. I, I would basically, <laughs> I would wake up at fucking 12 o'clock in the afternoon. I would work until nighttime and then i would be drawing until three or four in the morning and that was since i started tattooing so you know that was i mean i would wake up earlier when i was apprenticing so i'd get even less sleep but yeah i would be doing back in the day i would do a 12 or three and a six session and then i lived in about an hour from the shop so i would do like the hour commute each way and then I'd be up till three or four in the morning drawing. So I'm very, very glad I don't have that routine anymore. Mm-hmm. Is all of the drawing that you're doing for the tattoos or do you also do your own drawing to stay sharp and also keep yourself happy? So it definitely fluctuates um, sometimes. The last year I've been in a little bit of a funk creatively after mm-hmm. I got back to work. I, I wasn't feeling... I'm not sure if it's I wasn't feeling motivated or if it's I'm not sure what kind of art I wanted to make and put out there. It was mm-hmm. it's kind of like writer's block, but for art. Right. Um, yeah. So I would just sit there and be like, what kind of stuff do I even want to make? What do I want to put out there? What is the thing I want to say with my tattooing? And I just I didn't have an answer for a long time. And I was 
also very preoccupied outside of work with personal stuff. So I put my personal drawings on the back burner and was mostly focusing on appointment work. Mm-hmm. But now for the last month, you know, I did fucking like seven drawings the other day, which is really like, uh, you know, it's like old Hannah's back kind of. I I feel like I finally got that, you know, fire under my ass again. Mm-hmm. which is good. I think drawing for yourself and posting them, you know, like available piece, you know, I've I've been posting a few like wanna do's on my Instagram and mm-hmm. the fact that multiple people want each one is kind of motivating me even more to like draw, 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 uh, not just for my appointments, but for myself and then turn those into appointments, you know? Right, yeah. totally. Yeah, totally. so it's... It's kind of like just a cycle. The more people like respond positively to my personal stuff, the more I'm going to want to do it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Like, especially I had a couple records that I was finishing as COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And as soon as all of those stopped and it was like, okay, I did that. I finally had the time, like you said, to look at everything that I had done and think about what I want to do now. And I don't think I've figured it out yet, but it definitely the time to reflect on all of that work has such a drastic effect on your output after the fact it's crazy when you're so busy you don't it i don't i didn't have time to like really think about what was happening while i was making it mm-hmm. you know and then you finally have that time to be more involved in the process and it's like Wow, what am I doing? What have I yeah, been doing? Yeah, yeah, it was I I had the very similar experience as well where you're almost in like autopilot just being as productive mm-hmm. as you can and it's right. just the monotony of it and then you slow down and you're a little bit more, you know, self-aware and conscious of each thing as you're doing it and you know the fact that I think I'm working l- on less sessions now is I'm, you know, putting more energy and time into each one versus like fuck how many can i do today you know yeah, it's, right. it's it's a more of a thoughtful process at this point for me yeah. it's yeah, less and- of like production for production's sake and more yeah of, yeah yep. the the quality of how can i make myself happy with this yeah yeah and it'll allow you to curate what comes next too mm. the more time you spend on the individual pieces the more you can develop your look and then push forward from that yeah Very exactly cool. yeah Very we've cool. been talking a lot about how uh we've been enjoying practicing more and just uh like taking the time to um to work on the the craft side of it not even the craft side of it but just like i don't know i've been working in my sketchbook more and that's something that i hadn't done for years shit um, i need to do that too well but it just i i was making all the drawings that i were doing were for paintings and mm-hmm. i forgot how i actually drew just to draw and now that I'm working in my sketchbook again and it's not like for posting, it's not for painting, it's just like, what is it, what are my doodles looking like these days? Like yeah. what like what is that creative masturbation? Like what is yep. just for me? Yeah. And, um, yeah. Well, that was a big part of the shutdown too. I think, you know, in the very beginning you would see people being like hyper productive. Like this is my daily routine. I'm doing fucking squats and then I'm, you know, reading for two hours and then I'm drawing, you know, or you would see, yeah, yeah, yeah. You would see, it was almost like a, a, how productive can you be during a fucking global meltdown competition? It was super weird. And I remember 
you know, that kind of got to me a little bit. I was I was painting mostly for myself during that time. Like, I, I got back into my oil painting as a way to not go fucking insane. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then it became kind of like a productivity to distract myself mentally. But Definitely. I think that's why earlier I was like, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with social media because you always, especially when something is visually art-based, it's so easy to identify how productive you are by just fucking posting it or like mm-hmm. the visual representation of this is how I'm spending my time. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's why I worked so insanely as I did before because I would feel like a lazy piece of shit yeah. if I wasn't being as productive as everybody else that I saw on Instagram. And then I realized who gives a fuck. Like as, as long as like, <laughs> yeah. well, like seriously, though, I was like, as long as I'm happy and I'm feeling right. like I'm being productive, my clients are happy. I don't care if however many followers feel like I've done my due diligence today in the work right. department, you know? It's, it's totally. usually smoke and mirrors anyways. Oh, it absolutely, in so many regards, you know, on Instagram, it's all fake, you know? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Or it's all you projecting the most positive, you know, version of anything. Because nobody wants to air their dirty laundry. Unless they do. And then I like reading about it. But (laughs) 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 that's why I still have a Facebook. So, (laughs) you know, you know what I mean, though. But it's like, yeah, yeah, nobody wants to be like a fucking miserable blah, blah, blah. Because it's like, that's obviously not something you want to brag about, really. You want you want to show yourself in the best light possible. And. I finally, I think during the last year have just realized, you know, I used to always call it like feeding the beast, mm-hmm. you know, by posting things. And I used to hashtag shit posted on certain days at certain times. And now I'm just like, I don't, you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I, I don't have the, the energy for it anymore. It's just, it's, it's soul sucking after a while. <laughs> yeah. And if you've reached the point where you're working and you're happy with your work, then like fucking whatever. Well, yeah. that, that's the exact thing. I think I did it for a certain amount of time. And then when I realized, oh, wait, I don't have to do this anymore, I, I just relished in it. Mm-hmm. So it feels good to not have to be a slave to it anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have anything coming up that you're excited to work on? Any like big pieces that you want to do? Anything new? Yeah, actually. I um, So I definitely love cherries a whole bunch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, so I've got some um, some larger scale versions of those coming up in the next few weeks. Those were like the wanna do's I posted. I mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I I always want to make sure that my work doesn't. I want it to be consistent, but I don't want it to look like monotonous. I guess right. or like a repeat right. of each one. So I've got some larger scale versions of those coming up, which are going to be pretty beefy. I'm excited about it. Hell yeah! Yeah. So that's that's about it, though. I mean, I'm just kind of honing in on things and then now expanding on them. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a, a technical question because I see that you use um, line stipples and shading. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious of how you make that decision of when to use what and what fits what design. Um, that's actually a good question. So recently I've been trying to push more shading work, like how the cherries are done. And there was like a rose I posted or a few roses I posted recently with the shading work. 
I really have been trying to whore that out as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I love doing etching line work, but it's like eating pizza every night sure. after a few years. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's been my, my bread and butter for like four years. And it's, mm-hmm. I think I kind of felt a little stagnant with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't mind it. It's just, I just need some kind of, um, it's veggies variety, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So, and I always explain that to like, I have a few really, um, really good bigger pieces coming up with etching line work, um, that I'm excited about, but it depends on the subject matter. Mostly that's when I make that decision for the cherries. I would never do those in etching line work because mm-hmm. I really want that glossy kind of shine, almost chrome cool. metallic look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with shading, you can really, really get high contrast with that and convey a really, really nice texture versus etching line work. You, you really, you could, it wouldn't have the same uh, impact visually. I don't think though. Sweet. Yeah. Well, you were talking earlier about like wanting to, always keep one-upping yourself and always keep improving but is there like a a larger something that you're pushing for that drives you to to keep pushing to be better i think um circling back to the permanence of it Hmm. would probably be my push and i for me art is like um tattooing illustrating painting for me is as a distraction so i think i might be always pushing in that way as a form of self-improvement, I guess, and distracting myself from, you know, Mm. whatever the fuck is in my head. Mm. So that's definitely one of my, my main drives is to be able to just find something in my head and convey it as well as I possibly can, you know? Mm -hmm. So do you feel like when you're creating things, you're more present or less present? What's the appeal? Hmm present like mentally or like mood wise yeah Hmm. i feel like i'm i'm more present and also um music helps too like if i'm in a certain mood for instance i want to like dive deep into that mood uh yeah Yeah. you know like when you're when you're sad and you want to listen to like sad music oh yeah Mm -hmm. it's kind of similar to that um whenever i'm like sad i want to you know illustrate and really like uh, I, I don't know, it like express that sadness that I have or whatever mood I'm in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I'm feeling like saucy or whatever, that's when the cherries happen. If I'm feeling sure. sad, like it's going to be more of like the religious stuff. Sure. But definitely like the music that I'm listening to when I'm drawing kind of helps me be more present in that process or like mm-hmm. kind of helps just solidify it more for me. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like, I know if I'm making a lot of sad music, it sticks with me for a while. Do you Mm -hmm. feel like it's kind of an expulsion of that sad feeling and then it allows you to kind of get rid of it? Or do you feel like it keeps you in it after the fact? Oh, that's a really good question. It's a little bit of both because I... I don't want to necessarily get rid of it, you know, because it's, I I feel like for me, it's kind of like, you know, uh, I'm not called happy girl tattoos for a reason, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, it's just because I'm by default, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, like monotoned, very like low energy on the more like melancholy side. So it's not something I'm necessarily trying to fight or combat in any way. If anything, I want to take it, hone it and use it to be uh, productive, 
you know right. Right. and like right. really le- i i lean into it more than anything mm-hmm. hence like when i'm in a sad mood the sad music comes on if i put anything like upbeat on or if somebody in the shop does i'm like this is gonna be a fucking long ass day <laughs> i don't i don't want to listen to this because it's like yeah. nails on a chalkboard for me basically Definitely. yeah, yeah. Right. well it's it's leaning into those indulgences of being a person like being a complete person and coming as you are because there's so many places for performative bullshit of like needing to be together or happy or like anything other than the like negative emotions that you're feeling is what you need to project to the world so that they think you're quote unquote okay oh it's like like, well adjusted yeah it's like the why don't you smile more because i don't fucking want to and i'm not gonna smile more to make you comfortable like why would i be doing that to make you feel better like no (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly i don't i don't have the energy for that um and i think yeah why why fight like your authentic self you know just to appease other people or the greater masses or what you think other people would want to see out of you. It's just it's tiresome. Yeah. And mm. it's totally like, I feel like too many people ignore those feelings, which are present in everybody. No oh, one's yeah. fucking happy all the time. Oh, the push it down mentality. <laughs> right. But a lot of people fucking choke it up and they like yeah. ignore it or act like it's not there. Yeah. And to me, even just being in music, the people that make like sad fucking music are the most together people that I know most of the time. Yeah, because they're they, not they're not fighting anything. That's totally, why. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's and they're okay with acceptance. that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I'm definitely a big proponent for that. A hundred percent. That's very cool, especially in an industry where I feel like you got to have some thick skin. I still think it's important for you to be able to like sit in an emotion. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely the, the thick skin. You got to be able to stay pretty level-headed. That's why I go home and I cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that's funny. I actually have a question. So when you're making these kind of sad women that you're making in a lot of your tattoos, do you feel like it's a reflection of yourself? Do you feel like you're putting a little bit of yourself into those tattoos into those sketches um i think inherently anything that i create there's a little bit of myself that goes into it no matter what the subject matter is Mm -hmm. just because it's it's my creation it came from my head or you know Mm -hmm. i've taken something like a classic painting and adapted it to be a tattoo but it definitely um has a direct correlation with myself for sure. Mm. You know, the the sad stuff. When I'm in a sad mood, you'll see way, way more of it uh, yeah, on totally. my feed and stuff like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. to answer the question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it is like a healthy translation of it, though. I think that that's why, like, um, I don't know, to to lean into a cliche of artists being sensitive people, uh, mm. it's it's how you can deal with it. You know, it's it's not only how you can deal with it, but how you like healthily manage it and can be in that place of discomfort, but be comfortable with it. And functioning as well at the same time, Definitely. being like productive functioning, but yeah, not fighting it, I think is key for mm-hmm. sure. In terms of the career path of a tattoo artist, what is like, um like your shops have mostly been appointment only, yeah? 
Or do you? Um, yeah. So Torchbearer, the shop I'm at now in Providence, was a walk-in shop, but because of COVID, okay. you know, they do what's called uh, like uh, Collins now. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody was like, "Hey, I want you know the small little something," you wouldn't be able to just walk into the shop. You would call ahead. Mm-hmm. So it's been appointment only because of COVID. Um, but the other two shops that I've worked at were appointment only. And what is? Uh, I guess my my question is, what are the benefits of working? with a shop is there like a licensing thing that you have to have to be able to tattoo yeah like- so you're so the shop itself and it depends on every not only state but city as well okay so for instance you have to the shop itself is going to be licensed right through the city like the shop i'm at right now is licensed through providence and then each artist within that shop has their individual artist license Mm-hmm. So it's all it's all just basically um, through the health department, got um, it, got you it. know, and you pay them every year to maintain your licensing. Got when it. you switch shops in different states, did you have to get relicensed, or does that carry over across state lines as an artist? Oh man, I wish it did. Um, you have to go through the whole licensing process again. Thank Damn. God you don't have to do the apprenticing bullshit. But um, <laughs> but it depends again on on the state. Um, I'm pretty sure Oregon or I don't know if it's Oregon specifically or Portland. Oregon, but they do like tattoo school there. So if you have a license in another state transfer there to Portland, you, I've had people tell me that they've had to do tattoo school in Portland after they've already been licensed, which is hot trash. But like Rhode Island wasn't too tricky. I needed to get, um, I had proof of my previous licensing in Boston and in New York city and then I had to do like a background check, an application process. Uh, and I recently, because of COVID, they had everything on the back burner. I had to talk with somebody at the health department and take a multiple choice test and a verbal test as well. Jeez. But yeah, you have to you have to go through all of the licensing stuff through an individual health department mm-hmm. or like the city's health department every time you move. So how does that work? I, I know a lot of tattoo artists that travel a lot. And do guest mm-hmm. spots. When you guest somewhere, you have to be licensed, or is that just kind of like something you don't talk about? You don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. So, like, some, I, I'm pretty sure it's Portland, Oregon again. Um, you know, it depends, I guess, on the shop and if they want you to follow like the really strict protocol, but you need like a traveling, a temporary traveler's license, I've heard. Right. It's one of the reasons why I haven't worked there because I don't want to go through that process that mm-hmm. bad. But other other places, I just bring like you know my current license from that city just in case somebody from the health department pops through. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you do a convention, say like somebody from San Francisco were to come to the Boston Tattoo Convention or whatever, they would need to go through the health department because it's the convention is run partially uh, by the health department. They're there through the entire process, right, right. so you need to do a temporary one there. Right. But if you're at a shop, it's usually yeah. Not a lot of them would make you do that. Figured, yeah. That's a little nuts. What is a tattoo convention like? I've seen a bunch of it, but it's gross. It... They're <laughs> fucking gross. Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, what is, what does Ron at Torchbearer say? He goes, go to a convention to get your favorite artist's worst tattoo. Yeah. If that makes <laughs> yeah. sense. It's, yeah. The, I've only done the Boston one several times. I will say this they are excellent for networking and for making friends and for chatting with other artists and stuff cool. like that. It has been insanely beneficial in that way. 
I would go to conventions if I didn't have to actually physically tattoo with them ever again. Mm-hmm. Like the lighting is bad. It's just mm-hmm. straight up like blaring butt rock the entire time. <laughs> you know, like the peep, you know, it's just it's just too much yeah. and I I, yeah. I like to work in a very quiet um yeah. controlled environment and a tattoo convention is the absolute opposite of that i remember mm, remember totally. when like vaping with like flavored vaping became a thing mm. a few years ago yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was just like just happening at that point where they didn't say like don't vape in here because it was like so big <laughs> so it would just be like car- carnival sticky air just like vape daddies everywhere it was just yeah not fun that sounds like all of my least favorite things. Yeah, me too. That's why I don't do them anymore. But then, yeah, I, uh, I, I remember like after I did my last one in Boston, it's, it's basically just like moving all of your equipment, you know, it, it, the whole process of getting all of your stuff set up. I sound like such a brat, but whatever. It's just, it's not, the juice is not worth the squeeze, like, to be miserable all weekend. I mean, the money's awesome, but I, I don't want it that bad. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. You know, like yeah. just fine without it. Yeah, like, oh, can I drink a beer? The last person let me drink a beer while I was getting tattooed, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ! You know, <laughs> wow. Yeah, good time. Yeah, it's it's great for people watching, though. You know, I'm sure there's right. that. There's characters. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, right. it's awesome. It's awesome for that. I I do enjoy that part of it. The networking and the people watching, two very redeeming qualities. Oh, dude, like, you'll go into the bathroom. I remember, like, some girl was fucking, like, wrapping the saran wrap off of her tattoo and just had her fucking whole arm in the sink, like, in the convention hall bathroom that, like, somebody was hung over and just blew chunks everywhere, like, in the net. Yeah, it's just, it's so, the sanitary conditions at a convention are fucking appalling. Yeah. And the, and the health, health departments, department the, yeah, there. they're there, you know, obviously, but they made their money from the licensing and the permits, so they don't give a shit, you know? I'd rather, <laughs> it's like, get, I'd rather get tattooed in a dorm room. Yeah, yeah, you'd be <laughs> safer getting one in a dorm room. Cool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, well, I think, I think I've reached a good point. I think I feel resolved. <laughs> there you go, resolved. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to ask for uh, three artists that you would recommend people Perfect. check out, look at, spread love to. Perfect. Yeah, who do you got? All right, so my first person is the person who got me into tattooing, um, mm-hmm. my mentor, Elise, Hell who yeah. is the owner of uh, Brilliance Tattoo in Boston. Mm-hmm. I would not be doing any of this if it weren't for her giving me the opportunity and putting up with how annoying I am. <laughs> that poor woman um so (laughs) the next person is uh my favorite musician that i listen to all the time and whose music uh resonates with me more than anyone else's that i've ever heard that's emma ruth rundle hell Um, yeah i've seen her live when i was living in new york three times and man i have not cried that hard ever Mm -hmm. uh i had the the opportunity to meet her and talk very briefly and just conveyed to her that her music has fucking changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of my favorite contemporary painters, he is an Italian painter. His name is uh, Roberto Ferri. I actually, one of my good friends, Gerald, tattooed one of his paintings on me and his work is insanely beautiful. It's very, uh, it, it's Baroque. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's lovely, very lush images. So. Mm-hmm. He's definitely visually a big inspiration. Dope. That's awesome. I'll yeah. Three of those. <laughs> yep. They're all they're all good ones. 
Yeah. It's really funny that you say Emma Ruth Rundle. I've had her on repeat for the past like month now. It's... I I like eat, sleep, and breathe her music so, so much. I when I met her, I was like, I'm just gonna say this really quick before <laughs> I embarrass myself. I cry to your music all the time. <laughs> and I was like, that's basically all I want to say. Yeah. yeah, her. I, I. It's like as if her music was like made for me. You know, yeah. you you just have that feeling when you're like, fuck. If I had to pick, it's like your last meal if you're gonna die. Yeah. You know, it's right. her music yeah. is my last meal every day of my life. So. Mm. Yo, that's like, I never, I never really fanboy too much, but we we worked. Um, John Carpenter was touring, playing his music from his movies, mm-hmm. and I remember walking into the office at Royale, and he was just there, and I was just like speechless. Yeah, I was like, I was <laughs> yeah, like, when oh. somebody just makes you have that like physical reaction, and yeah. you're just like, oh my fucking god. Yeah, I, I remember of greatness. Yeah. Yep, yeah. I had no idea what to say to him. And I was like, thank you for giving me nightmares as a child. Yep. I, was like, <laughs> I probably sound like every other ass clown that talks to you, but cool. Holy shit. Well, this was dope. Thank you so yeah. much. It's really good to catch up. I haven't yeah, seen you in a long time. Yeah, thank you guys so much. It was yeah. awesome. I had a fun time. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, for real. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to episode 29 of The Seedcast featuring tattoo artist and painter Hannah Medeiros. For more information about our show and our guests, both previous and upcoming, please follow us at The Seedcast on Instagram or email us at casttheseed at gmail.com. Coming up next week, we sit down with musician Jossie Adams. Stay tuned in.